Welcome to another edition of Communication Mixdown. I'm Liam Armstrong. For today's show, we're covering a lot of ground because I'm interviewing one of the most exciting guests I've had on for a yarn yet. Before the grand reveal, some background on the themes we'll be exploring, which have never been more urgent or topical. Even a global pandemic wasn't able to stifle the resurgence of the Black Lives Matter movement following the murder of George Floyd by the Minneapolis police. This time it went global, with solidarity actions organised across the world in protest against a system that murders black and brown bodies in order to uphold white supremacy. Australia, a nation-state built on genocidal colonialism, was finally forced to reckon with the reality that we incarcerate and oppress our black population at even higher rates than other Western countries. Part of our success in upholding this system is the effectiveness of our media and culture in producing and propagating racism in our institutions and society. From waking up with Pauline Hanson on sunrise to going to sleep in Melbourne freer than the media villainised public housing residents or refugees detained down the road, racism shapes our entire existence in the colony. Resistance, acknowledgement and making space at the table for the oppressed has never been more vocally demanded for for good reason. Reducing the overwhelming whiteness of the media has been a hot topic in the news recently, with SBS, major newsrooms and training institutions all coming under fire. I couldn't think of a better person to speak about this moment than Enoch Mulaney. I first met them at university when they organised the, helped organise the first Black Lives Matter protests in 2016. Enoch then went on to secure a development deal at the ABC to develop their TV show, All My Friends Are Racist, secured a gig as the 2019 to 2021 Sydney Theatre Company Emergent Playwright, and somehow still manages to be an MFA graduate in writing for performance at NIDA. Welcome to the show, Enoch. Um, thank you for having me. That was such a good intro. Oh, anytime, anytime. <laughs> it's hard to do you justice, but I tried. Um, so yeah, uh, what initially inspired um, me to ask you to be on the show was your recent work calling out um, institutional racism um, at NIDA. Obviously, underrepresentation in the media and arts starts early. Can you tell our listeners what inspired students to speak out and what the response has been? I think for me, I came, it was really fresh for me at NIDA. And then I got to meet, I guess, the pool of alumni that have come from NIDA, who are POC, Black and Indigenous. And I just was never hearing any positive stories about experiences. I didn't really have the positive experience that I wanted. or And I, although I did learn a lot, but it was just sort of this thing that was always brewing amongst the sort of NIDA community that um, if you are from a marginalised sort of background, it's sort of a shit fight. And then I was watching everything that happened in uh, the UK with 
uh, uh, students and part former students calling out their drama schools and was just really inspired by that. Um, so we came together, drafted a letter, um, sort of calling out NIDA, and then that was picked up by the City Morning Herald. Um, and then, yeah, and because of that, more students have come forward and um, come together, which I think is really important. Yeah, um, what started out as a trickle quickly turned into a flood of former and current students speaking out about the discrimination they faced at NIDA. But why do you think it took so long for the issues there to gain attention and be recognised? I think that's a question all about context. I don't, I, I don't think, um, yeah, obviously it's taken long, but I don't think it hasn't. Um, Sorry, can I just restart that question? Yeah. Um, I think I think that question's all about context uh, before a sort of this global uprising around George Floyd. Um, it's sad that like someone had to die or be murdered across the globe for, um, I guess, experiences to be validated in our own backyards. Mm. So it's not that people weren't doing the work within NIDA and students weren't experiencing these things for the past 60 years yeah. that night has been built it's just that this has now gained attention because it's in like in our phones and yeah it's in everyone's faces and I think we're ready to talk about it and we want to talk about it especially young people who are sort of going to inherit this entertainment system that's been sort of forged by I guess, old guard media people. So, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah, one of the most striking things is that many talked about how the experience they had at NIDA continued into their, like, professional lives um, in the Australian media industry, if they um, even remained here. Did you, yeah, mm. did you want to expand on, like, what, are the big grievances people have with the like Australian media and arts industry at the moment, like as black and yep. or POC yep. creatives? Um, totally. There's like so many. Uh, yeah, it's a broad question. Yeah, it's a broad question, but like those things um, range from underrepresentation to transparency to underfunded. But from a NIDA perspective, I think it's sort of if, like, the reason why NIDA is really unique is because it has a direct link to sort of an industry that um, not many drama schools have in this country. And it's one of the sort of largest, like, it has, it sits on a global platform on who, um, not who it's produced, but who's come out of it. So I think... Um, I think what happens is that if NIDA is, sets a precedent of, you know, this is what the industry is like and students are sort of being introduced to the through that and realising, oh, if, if drama school's like this, what is it going to be like once I leave? And what is it going to be like if this is going to be the same in 10 years, 20 years, when this is now a career for me, this isn't just something I really care for. But uh, these, I, this, I don't really know how to answer that question. Yeah. Oh 
no, I think that's yeah. Um, so like, so you're currently developing a TV show for the ABC that explores race. Um, but, and at the moment, though, the, a, the SBS and the ABC are currently being criticised for institutional, like, racism. Um, mm-hmm. So what's your take on why our national broadcasters or the, like, Australian media industry in general is, like, failing to tackle discrimination or properly, like, empower um, BIPOC-like creatives to produce work? I, I uh, that's a really like that's a hard question to answer because I know so many people who work within the ABC and SBS yeah. who really are really trying to fight the good fight in paving the way for storytelling on on the side of storytelling and you know what sort of media we're consuming but outside of like the national broadcaster like isn't the the issue would be that um you know, like a large percentage of our media is owned by one person. And then because of that, we have like a really monocultural like view on what it means to be Australian. And then if we want to talk about what it means to be Australian, like it's built on or identifies an Australian person, like that sort of identity is built on the atrocities of like colonization and genocide. So, of so course, inseparable issues with the Australian identity more broadly. Yeah, so of course it's gonna like our media is gonna reflect that culture because it's not just happening, you know, in our media. It's happening in every single sort of industry in this country. And I don't. I think the issue is is that maybe we want our media to sort of be on the front foot when it comes to tackling those issues. Yeah, absolutely. Which I, think, which I think some people are doing, but some people aren't. So where where is, like, the Australian media, like, doing well then in terms of, um, like, honouring a commitment to multiculturalism um, and telling different Australian stories beyond, like, a monocultural white one? I think Screen Australia Indigenous Department is doing really well. I think a lot, um, like we're really unique in this country. Sorry, can you hear that in my background? No, no, it's all I think what we're doing really good is sort of um, on the Indigenous side of storytelling. A lot of um, First Nations storytelling. I guess like the policy and sort of the Screen Australian Indigenous Department is laying foundation. So we're actually having like a lot of people, a lot of countries around the world look to Australia in terms of engaging with their own First Nation communities. So I, I think Canada is like a country who's looking towards because it's uh, probably like this department to see engages with like the community and like the stories they want to tell and like engages with us and mm-hmm. like all levels whether that be emerging mid-career established um but then a, i guess it's a bit different when it comes to mainstream yeah fun. yeah 
Um, so what are the urgent changes you think we need to see in the media to better advance like racial justice and equality? Like what sort of reforms? Would it be like expanding stuff like the funding for like depart like that for example like indigenous storytelling gets or yeah, what are some of your ideas for things that could fix things or move it forward? Um uh... I mean, like, obviously, obviously things like representation are super important, but I don't, I think those are super important when you are introduced or engaging with the issue for the first time. But the issue is, is like, we just stay in, I guess, the conversations around representation. And then we forget to talk about things like transparency, which I personally think um, would be a lot better for the industry if there's like a really clear and open door policy towards how to enter the industry and also how to stay in the industry and how do people actually have have careers and manage to stay afloat and like put food on the table not only for themselves but like for their families and their dependents um, and then yeah I, what's the no that's the, that's right you know what i mean like people just yeah. want to eat at the end of the day and making people understand how they can actually like be involved in the industry rather than gatekeeping yeah, yeah. and a lot yeah fully and a lot of it is about like expression but storytelling is a skill and i think often like people forget that you know we all love to like spin a yarn and like tell a funny story but there's an actual skill like every other industry like plumbing like you know building a building like there's all this tool and um around what it means to tell a good story that you know everyone can sort of be a part and like that costs money and that is a lot of actual labor that should be being paid fairly and people come to stories to see the problems in their own lives reflected back so people can understand themselves and how they relate to the world more broadly. So I'm I definitely not saying that art saves lives, but I'm saying, I'm just saying that arts, artists, writers, um, directors, you know, their work and labour is is actually so... Um, if we can see it as labour, then maybe we, like, might be able to understand, I guess, like, things like people being underfunded and underpaid, blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? Like, we, um, you as well, you yeah, get it. especially as a unionist, like... We just need everyone's labour to be properly respected. Exactly. <laughs> um, difficult under capitalism. Yeah, the girls uh, are hungry. <laughs> we'll be right back. You're listening to 3CR 855 AM on digital and on the internet, www.3cr.org.au. Uh, you're with Communication Mixdown. I'm Liam Armstrong, and if you've just tuned in this week, we're talking about racism in the media and the experiences of Black, Indigenous and POC um, communicators or creatives in the Australian industry with our guest Enoch Malangi, a high-profile Indigenous creative. 
high profile. <laughs> so Enoch has spoken about NIDA, the SBS and ABC. However, you've also got a wealth of experience in the art sector and theatre. What are things looking like there? Um, is it a similar story for um, uh, POC creators or is that exciting? Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, my wealth of experience would probably, it's like vary from an emerging standpoint. I don't actually know what it would, like Mike's, like, so I'm, just to make it clear, like that's where I'm speaking from, not yeah. someone who's mid-career or established. Yeah. But yeah, like I was saying before we, before this, um, the song, like it's it's almost like the same conversations are happening across into the art sector and theatre. Yeah. Like we're all having the same conversations. Um, for arts, it's it's talking about galleries, it's talking about curators, um, sort of structural issues with theatres. It's the same thing with directors and like directors of theatre companies and then, you know, like sort of back-end representation, like oh, the off-screen representation that's like trying to happen. Um but it's the same old shit like I always think like I've experienced the most fucking racism and queer phobia and discrimination walking down Newtown and fucking like country road in yeah. do you know what I mean like um so people are just like want to speak about what they're actually facing and feeling and not be like have the door slammed in their face and like gaslit yeah and cancelled yeah you know what i mean oh definitely people don't want to go to work and be (laughs) traumatized that's all it is and i think um and it's not that hard is what this movement has told us right like we've seen so much change in America in terms of like I guess a bit of like a capitalistic approach like we've got to we got to adapt um to address the market but you know it's really not that hard to be like oh actually we should should maybe have more yeah. black indigenous directors doing our theatre shows yeah. because they exist and like, why not? Yeah. Well, that was going to be the next question. Like, how, Like, is that really how the big impact the Black Lives Matter movement is having on the Australian industry and acknowledgement that, like, we should be having these stories or, like, almost now there's almost even a market demand to, like, or, yeah, yeah demand to see that more? Yeah, it's a market demand fully... But it's also, it's also just the simple thing of, you know, arts and media taking, like, putting their money where their mouth is and taking deaths in custody serious. Yeah. Like if we're, it's not one thing to be like, obviously, we are against people dying in custody. So put your money where your mouth is and commission those stories from the people affected by it and platform them. Yeah. So people 
understands structural issues happening. So like the Ojo fucking, what's it, how do you blow joke from down the street, understands that like actually death in custody is like another pandemic happening in this country. Mm. In the last like month, we've had like what, six black yeah. people die in custody. And I totally think, yeah, like the media should see it, but then the art should like chuck some money behind those families, yeah. not to produce work, but just to say, like, yeah, like, totally, we stand beside you as artists, as people who want to stand beside each other for a struggle for a better world. And also the idea that, like, n- never in history has art and media been, like, has been neutral. So why, why are we pretending, like, you know... There's a neutral sort of Australian story, which is like the copper in the outback who engages with like a weird scene when like that's just uh, with a weird like case when that's really not reflecting what's actually happening and it's not exposing the underlying tensions in every, like a lot of communities in this country. Um, so art's just not reflecting life enough in this country. Holy, yeah. it's not just like for black people. It's like refu- like refugees who are black, and like look at like what's happening in Melbourne with the fucking flats and shit. Yeah, like I'm not saying that every story has to like be fucking on the ground running a week after the incident, but wouldn't you like? We're all interested in hearing those stories and. I shouldn't have to go on like back catalogue Instagram through the algorithm and shit. Sorry, I'm like swearing a lot. Um, Through the algorithm to find a story from someone in there and like, are people okay? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And also art and media, like it's got such like, art and storytelling have such amazing healing properties and are so good in any global movement. Like the idea of joy is paramount. Like, let, like the girls are struggling together, but we also want to have joy and be able to like spinning it. I don't know. I'm like, really oh, that's some really good <laughs> stuff. Um, yeah. yeah, like I think we're nearly like up for time. Um, Although I do think it's important, so maybe just quickly, like, obviously, like, the media industry also has, like, a history of being pretty fragile when called out. Um, But also, like, yeah, we've talked about, like, market demands. Like, what worries you about, like, this moment? Because a lot of the time, like, people are either defensive or they pretend like they get it and then, like, the movement for change is just co-opted. Fully, any good, it's like all good movements are like real people putting their bodies on the fucking, like putting their lives on the line to make the world better. And then the suits walk in and flatten it by being like, no, this is actually what the people want. This is what the people want, right? In the boardroom, it's those people, like those are the, that's the issue. But then the issue is, is that like, People obviously are being fragile, but the system has gone so hard lined down, like on the call out, we're seeing like so many senior industry people, like um, 
like we're seeing actually the industry in action by a whole like squashing a whole generation of creatives by telling them you know like shut the fuck like shut up it's not that bad yeah i don't know what do you think oh i mean i just like especially in my own work as someone who works at a union it's just like again people getting completely traumatized by work by like being validated or mistreated um yeah it just makes me more of a communist right there's no even an industry which is about yeah like healing and showing like the human experience is a complete mess like as well um any closing thoughts for the listeners or anything Um, to say yeah i think it's important i guess to we all enter some i could i actually don't know much about this radio um it's radical community radio right okay so yeah it's just having the conversations with our own families and our own communities and then like just just keep talking and i think also for me it's just important that i like found the space to have fun um you know what I mean? Like, you don't, like, it's fighting the good fight. It's depressing as hell. But if you can't find joy, then it's really hinders, like, how you reimagine the world. Like, in, like it reimagine the new world that yeah. we're fighting for. So kick back, have a drink. <laughs> and have a gossip. <laughs> I think they're the best words to end on. Um, I've heard it a long time. Uh, and that was Enoch Malangi talking about the push um, from POC creatives against racism in the Australian media and pushing towards a new and better and more inclusive one. So thanks again to Enoch for their time today. And that's it for Communication Mix Down this week. And we'll be back again next Monday at 6pm. Uh, let's start with the following track from Nicki Minaj. Yes, Young Money. <laughs> No shit, no shit, no shit. Jump off 2007. 2007. Miss Nikki, let's get it poppin', baby. Let's get it poppin', baby. Queens. Queens. Hey y'all Fendi, this the jump off right here, nigga. Nonchalo, mama, get a taste of the hot sauce. Itty bitty, real pretty, but I'm not soft. I beat bitches with the heat like I'm Scott Stouch. In the ocean is where they getting dropped off. All I wanna do is party. Rock some Eddie Hardy and 4040. Okay. You arrive when it just gets started. Well, I come through at two when I don't get carded. <laughs> Excuse me, I had to beg your pardon. Yeah. Mommy, your flow sick, my flow's retarded. Okay. Cause you could take something and you won't be sick. But um, I can't help my retarded shit. Cause my flow stupid, wheelchair bound okay. Take the small bus all year round That bitch pop out with a helmet on the head okay. Bottle of new meds, what? a good pig head yeah. my chicks, uh-huh. all my girls that are transport break hey, hey. That's a mech, look on your lip Po-ho. Keep a real good gene on your lip uh-huh. You could get it into my dude If you keep a good bitch and you're cool uh-huh. And you rock a good hood, fuck a suit yes, If 
you got a little tree on your boot, you could get it. Nicky and dirty money, nigga, shit your drawers. When I count to three, hit the flow. Dang, little mama, pick up your jaw. That there's the Chevy, 64. <laughs> you that bitch, I'm the boss. I'ma have my bodyguard dust me off. Cause I think I might have some dirt on my shoulder. Call my nigga light with the money green rover. I'm the boss, bitch, pink links in the brinks. Rockin' a corset, sip drinks in my mix. Call my nigga gravy, that's the big baby. Tell him I said maybe he should bring the tray. Pete, I already know these lames is gon' hate me. But I'm lately, it only motivate me One it with my squad, gotta come through me I hit the dance floor, nigga, one, two, three With my chicks, with my girls that a transport brick Got some Mac lip gloss on your lip Keep a real good jean on your hips You could get it, and tell my dude If you keep a good bitch and you're cool And you rock a good hood, fuck a suit If you got a little tree on your boot You could get it